Welcome to Mock 10 Sports on the September 11th, 2023 episode. Just wrapping up week two, guys. Just wrapping up week two. We got a lot coming at you on this episode. It's like I said, we're wrapping up week two. It's only week three in the landscape in the SEC right now. I got to be I got to be honest. It's the most negative it's been in probably in my lifetime. I mean, a lot of people are down in the league right now, specifically the SEC West. I mean, let's be honest. It's been a rough two weeks. It's been a rough two weeks. There's no denying it. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's get to a little bit what we're going to be doing tonight. We're going to, from a standpoint, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We have Trey Wallace, senior college sports writer for Outkick Fox. Trey Wallace joining the show to discuss this weekend's action in the SEC. Uh, also, we're going to go a little bit of power rankings here. We're also going to do it's week three SEC power rankings. We're also going to go with the new segment you're familiar with, where Dave was right, where Dave was wrong. Myself being Dave. So where I was right, where I was wrong, just for weekend two, and maybe a little bit. I'll talk a little bit about where I was wrong, a little bit some of preseason stuff as well. But we'll get into that one. Um, also, we'll get into my terrible picks this week. I mean, my money-making Thursday was awful. It was one in six. One in six this week. That's my fault, guys. Totally unacceptable. And if I put you behind the eight ball with your college child, with your child's college fund, that's on me. And I apologize from the sincere, deep part of my heart. But it's only week two. It's only week two. It's a long season. We've got about another 11, 12 weeks going into bowl season, college football playoffs. we got a long time to go. We're, we're going to make this up. Week two wasn't us. It, it was not us. But, like I said, stay with us. Only week three. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And it's more of the week start getting played. It's more of the week start getting pay, played. It's more film for me to dissect. I'm going to have more of a grasp of what's going on. Everybody's kind of struggling, it seems, looking around the country with their bets. But we're going to get right. We're going to get right. It's no excuse. But like I said, about 10 minutes here, we'll have outkick the coverage. Trey Wallace, college football sports writer. He'll join us to come talk about the SEC this past weekend. Like I said, power rankings, where I was right, where I was wrong after that. And we'll dive in, give you give you some thoughts on every, all 14 teams in the SEC. But let's get right to it. Where, where is the SEC at heading into week three? It's not good. Uh, let's just call a spade a spade here. The SEC is three and six. Remember, people, it's a three and six versus power five teams through two weeks. They're 0 and three versus the ACC. I mean, 0 and four, if you 0 and four, really. I'm talking about the big games. I'm not even thinking about Wake Forest over Vandy. 0 and four. 0 and four. North Carolina over South Carolina. Florida State over LSU. Miami over Texas AM. Wake Forest over Vandy. The ACC just getting after the SEC right now. It, it is what it is. Let's call it it's the worst start that I can remember in my life. I mean, usually the SEC is getting after people in non-conference. I know, I know it's different time, different age, but again, very surprising. But the three things that kind of stand out to me on why this is, just my two cents. I think it starts with poor offensive line play. I think just the lack of development across, and this isn't just an SEC thing, across college football, teams don't practice as physical, um, a lot of shells, a lot of shorts. Teams are trying to get guys to quote-unquote game game day. You'll hear a lot of coaches. I've worked in college football for years. Injury reports come out. Oh, let's don't let him practice today or fall camp. Uh, I know we're only a weekend, but let's get him to game day. Let's get him to game day. Development, development in general is kind of slacked off in college football. Some of that's the transfer But really poor offensive line play. I mean, look at – the offensive line play, we'll get into it across the league. I mean, Alabama struggled this past week mightily, especially in pass pro. 
against Texas. South Carolina, nine sacks against a bad North Carolina front, at least from 2022. LSU struggled some against Florida State. We got some offensive line issues in this league. Second, I think it's poor secondary play. Starting off with LSU. You saw Texas A&M against Miami. And then Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt is a horrific secondary. I mean, we knew that was an issue going in. It's a lot of holding, grabbing. I mean, there's a pretty good offense. High school teams, I think you could put up some decent numbers on Vanderbilt. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I don't think that's too far-fetched, if I'm being completely honest with you. Poor secondary play. That's another reason. That's why you're seeing the SEC just not good. I mean, South Carolina against North Carolina wasn't great. They have two second two safeties I like a lot at Carolina. It's South Carolina. And then also, does the SEC have elite or even really good quarterback play? I, I think it's too early to tell yet. And I like some guys, I'll be honest with you. But even their surrounding cast has let them down a little bit. Guys like Spencer Rattler comes to mind. The offensive line is not protected, and I think he's a good quarterback. I mean, I like this kid here, but should he be a top three quarterback in the league? I think right now you could make a case that Jackson Dart, and I like the kid a lot. He's the reason why Ole Miss won on Saturday is too late. You can make a case Jackson Dart's a top three quarterback in this league. And, again, this conversation is not anywhere close to being over. It's not even close to being over. But, dude, I mean, who's the best quarterback in the league right now? I mean, we're only through two weeks, but, I mean, Jackson Dart, Jaden Daniels, K.J. Jefferson – Spencer Rattler, I mean, still TBD to be determined on guys like Carson Beck and Devin Leary. I mean, Kentucky's got a little bit of a slow start on offense. Not, not blaming Devin Leary, but just a little bit of a slow start on offense. And real quick, just getting off this, uh, prayers for uh, Liam Cohen, office coordinator at Kentucky. He got rushed to the hospital for an emergency situation yesterday. So prayers with him. We're keeping our, him and our thoughts and prayers here at Mock 10 Sports. But I brought up Kentucky struggling on offense. Just wanted to bring that up. But, again, going back to the point. Quarterback play. I just don't see a lot of top-heavy quarterback play. I mean, you're looking at the ACC right now. Drake may do. Tyler Van Dyke with the new system with Shannon Dawson. Just getting it out quick. Just looks very, very comfortable. Jordan Travis at Florida State. All three of those guys right now would probably be the best quarterback in the league in the SEC right now. Tyler Van Dyke to be determined a little bit. But I, I think we're gonna, this year we're in the SEC, we're going to have some good, not great quarterback play. Again, way too early to decide that. But – just going back to three things that stand out. I mean, I think it starts with offensive line play. I don't think teams practice as physical as much as, as physical as they used to in practice anymore. Not as much development at the offensive line position. I mean, you're bringing in a bunch of transfers just to shore up some positions. So I don't think all these guys. It takes a little bit for these these unisons or these groups, I should say, units to get on the same page and understand. That. People forget there's a lot of footwork and stuff that goes into offensive line play. How many steps? Would you play with a guy to your left or right for two to three years? You understand, like, hey, I mean. He's kind of got smaller feet. I have a little bit more, about six more inches to that. It's crazy and as nitpicky as that sound, that matters. Cohesion, just understanding the guy to your left and right really matters. I mean, you saw it. Alabama, like I said, struggled. South Carolina really struggled. And so did, and so did LSU against Florida State. Poor secondary play. I mean, we knew LSU and Texas A&M had some issues on the back end, and it showed. It's both their games against Florida State and against Miami. And then Vanderbilt, all three of those teams I just named, struggled against ACC schools. They attacked their secondary I told people, we'll talk about AM in just a minute. If they if they lost the game to Miami, it was because of their secondary. It was going to be because of missed tackles, eye discipline, just getting beat over the top. Man, it is what it was what it was. I mean, that's what it was. And then also, finally, the SEC, is there a top elite echelon dude coming out of the SEC at quarterback play? I think a lot of good guys, a lot of good players, but can they take it to the next level? And again, we got some guys that are still TBD. Long season, Carson Beck from Georgia, Devin Leary. 
uh, from Kentucky. I think they're going to get going. But again, there's a lot of question marks there. See, and it, it could easily turn around, but it's one of the worst starts. One of the worst starts I can remember probably in my lifetime, right off the bat in the first two weeks. This is not, it's not good. I mean, who's looked the best in the SEC? I'm not going to survive. We have my power rankings coming, and I'm, I'm not going to ruin it. But Georgia's going to be one. But when you start looking through two through five, two through six, who is it? I mean, let's talk about it a little bit right now. Would uh, Miami win the SEC West? Potentially. I, I think that's up there right now. I think I think that's up there. But about to bring Trey Wallace on. Just wanted to get into what is wrong with the SEC right now. Just three things after watching film. Like I said, poor offensive line play, poor secondary, and just not having like a dude, just a real difference maker at that position, at the quarterback position, the most important position in all of sports. A lot of good players, a lot of guys who could take the next step, they just haven't yet. We'll see if that happens. We will see if that happens. But we'll wait for Trey to get on. He's going to get on real here, 710. Join us real fast. Uh, or not real fast. He's going to get on talk a little week two a little bit. Let me send over the link to him. And then we will get rocking and rolling. But, yeah, we're getting Trey Wallace on here. does a great job for OutKick. If you don't know what OutKick is, it's a website owned by Clay Travis uh, or and Fox. Clay Travis started it. Fox owns it now. Um, it, it, they do a fantastic job covering the SEC. Let me let it go. I sent it. Perfect. So just sit it. He'll be hopping on here in just a second with us. But no, I mean, Outkick coverage does a great job. Trey does a great job coloring all collegiate sports, specifically the SEC. Just want to get on, talk a little week two, uh, and kind of his thoughts heading into deeper in the season, especially heading into week three. I mean, we got some big matchups. We'll go around the SEC after we get Trey on here in just a minute. But, man, whew, as we sit here talking, I mean, let's look, let's look at some of these initial SEC, let me get some of these initial SEC betting lines heading in to week. All right, here we go. Some week, early week three betting lines here we got. Yeah, obviously he's going to move. So right now we got Kansas State. They're giving Missouri, Kansas State heading to Missouri. Giving Missouri now, plus five, plus five. I'll give you my thoughts. We're, we're going to be way better this week, as I promised that. that. That is my uh, great white Buffalo guarantee of the week right there for you. But Missouri getting five at home. They're giving Mississippi State a lot, a lot of home dogs. A lot of home dogs. They're giving Mississippi State 10 at home as they host LSU. So LSU favored by 10. Um, then we got rolling through some other ones before we get you on here. Georgia favored by 27 and a half at home against South Carolina. Um, rolling through that one. Alabama heading to Tampa, one of the more random road non-conference games, favored by 32 um, on the road on the road at South Florida. Then we got Texas A&M giving 36 at home to ULM before they really get cranked up in conference play, and Auburn gets there next week. Tennessee only only giving up six and a half on the road at the Swamp at Florida. And so interesting there, interesting there. It's not as much as people probably think, but if you watched Tennessee last week, you maybe you maybe know why. You you, you may you, you maybe know why. Um, let's keep going through that one. We got Vanderbilt favored by four and a half against UNLV. They're taking the road. They're taking the show on the road to to the Sin City, Vegas. This is one Vanderbilt needs to get if they're going to hit my over three and a half win total. It's one they have to have because they're going to have to go steal a conference game now after their loss to Wake Forest this past weekend. So Vanderbilt really needs this one. 
I mean, if they want to get to a bowl game at all, they almost have to have this one. They just have to have it. Yeah, I mean, this is a game. A game Vanderbilt has to have if they want to get to bowl eligibility. I mean, it's a game they have to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're going to have to get have this game. I mean, just absolutely going to have to have it. Um, Vanderbilt's going to have to have this one. Uh, sorry, again, we're trying to get Trey Wallace from out kick the coverage. You know, does a fantastic job covering college football. What is here, guys? A good guess. But, no, just talking a little bit, some other college football week three betting lines here in the SEC. Georgia Tech's getting 20 as they come and invade Vaude Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi. Ole Miss giving up 20. Interesting little sleeper game there, if I want to be completely honest with you there, um, as they go to Tuscaloosa next week. It's a little bit of a trap game. We'll be interested how the Rebs go finish there. Arkansas giving up nine and a half at home to the BYU Cougars. Uh, it's an interesting matchup there. It's Arkansas's first real test. I mean, Western Carolina, Ball State right off the bat. So you'll find out some about Arkansas. It's about to get real for Arkansas, too, now. It's about to get real for Arkansas. I mean, you get BYU, then you go to LSU the next week. So you're going to find out what they're about. Kentucky plays Akron. Remember, Kentucky's got a pretty easy schedule. It's, it's starting off pretty easy for them. They have some time to work some things out. But Kentucky giving up 26 to Akron this week, heading into the week. Let's see what else we got across the board here in the SEC. That is it from right now. That is it across the board. Here we go. Trey hopping on, baby. Trey, what's up, man? How we doing? Oh, man, good. How, how's everything with you? Man, what a uh, what a busy day. Just uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the Big Ten and – uh, Mel Tucker comes out with a fierce statement uh, tonight, and uh, man, it's it's been nonstop since I got back from Tuscaloosa. Shoot, dude, I appreciate you taking. I know you're busy. We got we got we got some things to cover here, but I appreciate you taking the time getting on with us, guys. Remember, Trey Wallace from Outkick the Coverage, Fox Senior Sports College Football Writer, College Sports Writer, does a fantastic job covering collegiate athletics. Thought he'd be a great guest to come on, talk a little week two, talk preview a little week three. So, Trey, just initially, just give me your, some of your initial thoughts after, I mean, if we're counting week zero here, really three weeks in here. What's what's some things just to come to the top of your mind just from an SEC Southeastern Conference perspective after the first two to three weeks of the season? Yeah, um, probably uh, coming off this past weekend, it's got to be Texas A&M not hitting the mark uh, with the loss to Miami. I mean, that was uh, that was rough. Uh, I didn't expect them to lose that game. Uh, I thought that they would go down to Miami and take care of business, and they didn't. They fell short again. So now we're having to ask the question, what's going on with Texas A&M? And we're having to ask it early in the season, which is something that it's starting to become a trend. You know, you remember after last season, them losing to, uh, you know, App State, and then coming back and beat Miami. And then, you know, there's not a clear separation from the top besides Georgia in all the SEC, LSU, Alabama, um, the West in general, I think is up in the air. Um, I think that, you know, what, what I saw out of Alabama this weekend makes me think that there could be three, maybe three losses on the schedule. Depends on how it plays out. Um, the quarterback situation around the conference still question marks, which is understandable. I mean, George is replacing, you know, Stetson Bennett. There's a bunch of new quarterbacks. You know, you got Jay Dan, Anthony Richards is gone. I, Will Evans is gone. You know, I, I want to start Bryce seeing. Young is gone. 
Bryce Young, I mean, you name it. I mean, we're starting. So, so there's not a um, there's not a team that's really even Georgia the way they've played against non cons. Yeah, they haven't really been impressive. So I just think the biggest takeaway out of first two weeks, technically of the season, is there's a lot of question marks for the Southeastern Conference compared to others. Yeah. No, uh, 100%. We covered it a little bit before you got on. I said that my three reasons, what is wrong with the SEC right now? And that's going to lead me into my next question to you. In your opinion, what, why are, why is the SEC struggling in non-conference and 0-4 against a conference like the ACC so far, non-conference uh, play, in your opinion? Well, first off, uh, Jordan Travis, badass player for Florida State, um, especially on the fact that they went and got Keon Coleman at wide receiver. Florida State, great football team. Yeah. LSU, I think, maybe a little bit ahead of themselves. I think they're a really good team this year. I still think that there could be a playoff contender come November. But what did we did we overhype LSU a little bit? I think that is a question that I've been going back and forth in my head over the last twenty four hours. I mean, I said, okay, they put up seventy points against Grambling. Yeah, most Power Five schools are going to do that against Grambling. Um, I think overall, I think when we look at South Carolina, take for instance, that game, first of all, South Carolina's offensive line is is going to be a work in progress for a decent part of the season. And and that's okay. They'll, they'll win some games, might lose a game or two from, from now on, but they're going to continue to grow. Spencer Rattler, he's still a good quarterback. Um, he just he can't be on his rear end that many times. He can't be running for his life if he's going to be a productive quarterback in this conference. Um, and and I, so I, I look around and, you know, Auburn escaped Cal uh, with a win where Cal was just trying to hand it to him the whole time. Yeah. Um, and Auburn finally takes advantage, you know, there uh, in the fourth quarter. Mississippi State survived. I mean, Will Rogers, I think, threw the ball 13, 14 times this weekend. Dude was throwing it 45 times a game last year. Yeah, um, Woody Marks got majority of those touches on offense for a state. Say that one more time. So Woody Marks got majority of those touches on for on offense for state. Yeah, and it's and it's so it's it's there there. I don't, I don't want to. You know, I'm I'm trying not to get out ahead of myself and say that this conference is in over its head this year, um, or that it's not as good as years past. I I think that's a given. I, that, that, you know, the, the, the SEC is not going to be as strong as what we've seen in the last five or six years. Um, there's too many question marks around the conference um, outside of you know, what's going on in Athens. I mean, look at Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa, you got a quarterback situation right now where you're kind of questioning what Joe Jalen Milrow actually is. And do we see Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner this weekend? against South Florida. Perfect opportunity. Get up by 30 points, whatever, yeah. against South Florida. Play those other two. Or really test them and let's see Ty Simpson in the first quarter against South Florida. And me snap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just think there's so many different um, areas of improvement for so many different teams right now that I think it's kind of shook some folks uh, in the SEC. But at the end of the day, you know, it's good to have that much competition around the country. Now we just have to see, you know, if they respond. And and I think this might be the first time in a long time where we go into every SEC weekend and we might come out of it with some kind of upset. 
So yeah, Trey, am, Trey, am I crazy in thinking this? Am I crazy in thinking this? I was talking to some buddies this weekend. I feel like it's the first time probably in my lifetime that I feel like the team – I still think I would be – let me preface by this. I would be shocked if it, if the West was still not won by either Alabama, Texas, and or LSU. I'll say that. But it's the first time I feel like in a very long time you could legitimately say one of those three teams, let's just say hypothetically LSU wins the West. It wouldn't shock me if someone like – I don't think it will happen, but just throw it out there. So like Auburn could beat them on a given day. The first place team in the West losing potentially the seventh place team on a given day because they're so everyone in the West has glaring weaknesses. I'll throw one. I'll throw one at you. I'll throw. I'll throw one at you this weekend. It would not shock me one bit if Will Rogers and Mississippi State beat LSU. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. you. That would not shock me at all. What if Will Rogers comes out and throws four touchdowns? They flip the script. They throw it more than 14 times. Let's just say he throws it 35 times. It's an 11 o'clock kickoff in Starkville. Okay. I mean, it's it's not the best of situations for LSU. You wake up and you got to go. I think Mississippi State's played enough 11 o'clock games that they're good. Like they'll roll anytime they need to. Like that's just one of those games this weekend that it's not going to surprise me. Another one is I'm not going to say they're going to win, but what if South Carolina keeps it close with, with Georgia? Because maybe the offense starts clicking a little bit. Like yeah. you just you just don't know. But I will say, like the one game that I think we'll pro- we could potentially see that upset is 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 in Starkville. So this you know, weekend. besides what goes on in Gainesville, which I'll never pick Tennessee to beat Florida in Gainesville until they actually beat Florida in Gainesville. And I'll come back that next year, year after, maybe pick. You're like my father-in-law. He's a diehard Tennessee fan. He's like, we've only won there twice in the last 50 years. I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence. But, say, sticking in the West real fast before we move on a little bit, question for you. If I had to tell you, or let's just say, out of the three teams, the three favorites in the West that have already taken losses, Alabama, LSU, and Texas A&M, who do you trust more or have more confidence in to improve as the season goes on out of those three teams? LSU. I mean LSU with Jaden Daniels. I think I think yeah. he can continue to get better. I, I think that you look at what happened against Florida State. Florida State was getting off the line of scrimmage really, really well, getting after the quarterback, forcing some mistakes. I think that you look at LSU, they're gonna get Mason Smith back, technically back, or however you want to call it, whatever. Um I, and also I think the secondary wise, LSU can get better at the secondary spot. Yeah, I think Texas A&M right now, I'm tired of like talking about Texas A&M and when are they going to get better and when are they not going to get better. Who are we blaming this on or who are we not blaming this on? Is it because Jimbo needs to get his player? Jimbo's been in college station for six years now. Yep. That stuff has got to go. Um, I, I think that Texas A&M should already be good enough where we're not asking these questions. And And I asked myself that question today. I was like, What's going on with Texas A&M? Like, is this a team that they ran into Tyler Van Dyke and you know they just weren't prepared, or is this Texas A&M team behind Connor Weigman actually going to be good this year? I still don't know the answer to that question. I don't. I, but 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 it shouldn't be. I hope and I hope people understand what I'm talking about. Where it shouldn't be at that point that we're having to worry about Texas A&M not being a playoff contender the first week of November. Um, and I said that before the season started. I said, and I, was, I remember talking to somebody at another school about this, Coach. I said, if Texas A&M is not contending, let's just say, 
top 10 in the country, first week of November, fighting for a playoff spot, is Jumbo Fisher the coach in College Station next year? And I had one coach tell me that, you know, if they lose three or four games, they're going to run him out of town. Um, and, and they're going to pay the money and get it over with. Because in one end of the spectrum, Texas A&M's trying to find their way, I guess you could say, under Bobby Petrino. But it was really the defense and DJ Durkin that kind of messed it up. Yeah. While Texas it's going that way. Texas is coming off that big win against Alabama. Yeah. Texas go- So Texas is looking good. While Texas A&M is not, they don't want to get left behind. And then right. again, amplifies like, those issues. Yep. Right, Dave. Like the, and, and, and then just to wrap it up, like the Alabama thing is Alabama got beat on that offensive line big time. Uh, first off, you know, you shouldn't be having center to quarterback exchange problems that many times in one game, second week of the season. But that's another story. Alabama's got to figure out their offensive line. Alabama's got to figure out their linebacker spot. They got beat across the middle too many times against Texas. And they have Nick Saban's, and even if it takes another game or two, Nick Saban's got to decide if Jalen Milrow is the guy that's going to lead us for 13 games this year, or do we need to take a look at Ty Simpson or is Tyler Buckner maybe a guy that can manage this? Um, because as he showed flashes, Jalen Milrow, and he did, he showed flashes. He still has a problem reading defenses, in my opinion. Because those two interceptions, he was reading that cornerback. I mean, he didn't read And though, I mean, that cover two, co- the cover two are too high with the underneath defense 101 stuff. I mean, it's like yeah, those are two really bad, bad interceptions that you said. You just don't trust him consistently to go drive. I actually think they can run the football if they stuck with it. I mean, you saw the first few drives, they're patient. But at some point, I mean, you're a smart guy. You know, teams are just going to start loading the box, but I dare him to go make one-on-one plays. It's like you said, Alabama's going to have to really look at themselves in the mirror and be like, can a guy like Tyler Buckner, who out of the three quarterbacks between him, Jalen Milrow, and Ty Simpson, has the most on-field success? I mean, well, he won the Gator Bowl MVP against an SEC team in South Carolina. Maybe he's more serviceable, doesn't have the upside – but the turnovers aren't going to be there. I mean, I just can't imagine Nick Saban keeps this going much longer. It's the turnovers. It's the turnovers. It's They're not running a complicated offense in Tuscaloosa. They're not. No. Um, he's got three reads when, when he snaps the ball if they're not running it. They're not running anything real difficult. It's the same thing they were running five, six years ago, six years ago. They're going to pound the football. And then when they need to, they're going to find their one-on-one on the outside. Uh, yeah. They're going to find it across the middle. It's not – and I'm not a college quarterback. Okay? I'm not a college yeah. coach. But I'm saying just looking at it, that's not a complicated offense. Te- what Texas did on Saturday was the same thing Tennessee did to Alabama in 2022. How many yeah. wide-open receivers did you see for Texas, for yeah. Quinn Ewers? It was a lot. So a lot of movement yeah. that they've got to make. You got to take advantage of those explosive plays against Alabama. Then Sark has familiarity with that defense and what the holes are in that defense. But Trey, yeah. two more questions. We'll get you out of here real fast. So talking to some Tennessee people that were in the program in the offseason, asked them what's kind of what's the big question mark for Tennessee? Who is who's the key catalyst to how far you'll go? Unanimous. Joe Milton. Does Joe Milton does he have it in him? Do you think to go on the road and win a big game? So I think. I think Florida this week is going to be backed up like a a desperate dog in a corner. I mean, this is kind of – I'm not saying if Billy Napier loses this game, he's getting fired, but 
you start one and two and it's ugly at home and Tennessee comes in there and kind of does what they want in your house, it's going to be ugly. Preview this game a little bit for us. What's some things you're looking forward to? I'm actually pretty fired up just to see the whole dynamics of this No, game. I am too. Saturday night underneath the lights in Gainesville, it's going to be a dynamic atmosphere. Um, I think that Billy Napier starting one and two, uh, it's not going to sit well with Florida fans if it happens. Um, I think, you know, look, I live in Knoxville and – I hear the conversations around Tennessee. I, I talk to folks, you know, at, at Tennessee and other coaches. I, mean, I had a conversation with another coach in the SEC today, assistant coach. We are just talking offense, stuff like that. And, you know, he, he watched a little bit of the Tennessee game, and he pointed out, you know, there's still some accuracy issues with Joe Milton. Yeah. Um, but everything runs through Joe Milton. Joe Milton stuck around Tennessee for two years behind Hendon Hooker, learning this offense under Josh Heupel. And it's, it's a complicated offense, man. Um, the fact that he knows what he's doing when he gets to the line, meaning he knows what the checks are. He knows what the defense is looking for when they, when they line up against Tennessee. Um, he knows where his receivers are supposed to be. Um, I, I think that in them having a three-headed monster at running back, which they do, Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, a lot of pressures on Joe, yeah. but he's got the character to handle the pressure. Um, I just – I wonder what happens when they get into a situation where Joe maybe overthrows three guys or um, – not getting first downs, you know, coming up short, you know, just stalls. I guess the best way to put it is stalls on offense. Stalls out, um, yeah. Because the one thing Josh Heupel here, it's not just if Joe Milton's not the guy, then we got to change quarterback. No, 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 no. If Josh Heupel decides at any point this season, let's just say before the halfway point, to take Joe Milton out and throw in Nico and, oh, let's go for the future. You're ruining Joe Milton's career. At that very mark, you're ruining Joe Milton's career. You are pulling the plug on him. You've lost all confidence in him. And now you're saying we got to go give it to the 18-year-old. I think that Hypel understands that. I think that they've got a veteran group at wide receiver that understands that. And I'm not saying that as a point of like, oh, here's why Joe Milton is is still the quarterback or whatnot. Because I think Joe Milton can have success underneath this offense. I think they had a bad game against Austin P. That's all that was. That was a yeah. shitty game against Austin P. where they were looking ahead. They thought they were going to beat Austin P by 50 points. They came out of the tunnel expecting the win before they took a snap. And Austin P hit him in the mouth and kept hitting him in the mouth and got it within 10 points in the fourth quarter. And Tennessee fought off. They weren't going to lose the game. But they fought off a spot where they were going to win by a field goal or whatnot. Um, so I don't I don't read much into that besides that Tennessee got a wake up call real early in the season that hey look if we're not on this is what could happen. Now yeah, imagine that they issues. well imagine that they weren't on day for for Florida. You know imagine if they walked into games and thinking man we got a better team. Look at our ranking. Look at Florida. They're not any good. Yeah. We're going to go in there and stomp them. Florida will come out and beat you by two touchdowns this weekend. So I'm just saying, overall, this game Saturday night, it's going to be Tennessee defensive line and how much pressure they can get on Graham Mertz because I think the Florida offensive line is struggling a little bit. 
Um, and if they can put him into situations that make him uncomfortable, can Tennessee take advantage of that down the field quick? Hit Florida quick. Biggest thing yeah. Tennessee could do Saturday night to get this crazy jinx, luck, voodoo, whatever the hell you want to call it about going to Gainesville is come out and pop Florida in the mouth three times in the first quarter. You know, hit them deep in the first three plays. Set the tone of what yeah. it's going to be. That's where Tennessee finds success Saturday night and yeah. gets a win. If not, no, you've got four quarters. No, you're 100% right. Because I think if Tennessee came and punched him in the mouth, got a 14, 21, another one, I, I, I feel like one of the most underrated units in the country, Tennessee's defense doesn't really get talked about enough. It's a veteran crew, dude. I mean, as you know, like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I said it all season. I mean, what they get average giving up last year? 24 points per game. It was just – it's almost the yards per game is what people would be enamored with and kind of attack them. But they were better. They were more of an opportunistic defense than people gave them credit. For well, the first year. time in a very long time, Dave, they got depth. They haven't had Correct. depth at Tennessee. Yep. Even going back to the Pruitt days, they didn't have depth. Yeah, and they got and they got older guys that have played a lot, as you know. I mean, you're saying the same thing I'm saying. I, I, yeah, I agree. And you, and they're led by Aaron Beasley on defense. The guy's been around for a while. It's unfortunate that they've lost BYU transfer Keenan Peel, linebacker, starting linebacker for. It's going to be a minute with a with a arm injury. I'll just leave it at that. It's going to be a minute before he returns. He'll work. To, he'll come back to see. But I'm just saying, secondary depth, defensive line might not have. I usually use a different term, but I'll keep it PG. They don't have a uh, a monster that kind of scares you. A guy that gets off the bus and you're like, dang, that guy's going to be a force. They yeah. don't have that, but they got a lot of dudes. So right. I, I Garner's done a good job of building that room up. Yeah. Absolutely. No real dude, but like you said, no, like Derek, I mean, he's used to having like a Derek Brown in a room. They don't have that. You're right. They got Roman Harrison and the Baron Kid and stuff like that. Yeah. Service yeah they don't, they don't, like, have a, they, they don't have an FU guy. Like, Correct. get off the bus. You know this guy's about to cause problems. They don't have Correct. that. A Jordan Jordan Travis. No, I'm sorry. Jordan Adam Davis yeah. from Georgia. Don't have that, but they got a lot to do. So I think that they can cause pressure for Florida. I'm just curious to see if it actually pays off. So a fun weekend ahead. That Saturday night game, um, It I don't know which way it's going to go. I think Tennessee will win, but, again, I'm not predicting them to win. Trey, last question for you. And again, everybody, Trey Wallace from Outkick the Coverage, senior college sport uh, college sports writer for us. Does a great job covering the sport. Quick, quick last, last question, Trey. Again, appreciate you joining us. Yeah. What are we saying about the SEC at the end of September? The end of the month of September. What are two Ooh. to three things that you're like? I think that'll. I think that's going to be happening. We're about two or three games into conference play. Probably. Probably the. Um... I think LSU loses. I think probably that Georgia is um, – and this will be September, so don't hold me to October – that Georgia is the only likely national championship contender at the moment out of the SEC. Um, I think that people are going to have question marks about Alabama, obviously. I think people are going to have question marks about LSU. Um, and I think the way Georgia is going to be, it's going to be like, okay, Georgia's the team this year. Um, you know, because it almost feels like, I mean, that LSU, I mean, I'm sorry, that Ole Miss Alabama game, if Kiffin can put it together offensively and if Jackson Dark can deliver it on the field, yeah. Pete Golding knows what Alabama's doing. Um, I'm just, just saying that yeah. one could be very interesting for the tide. So I think, I think the biggest things are is 
<clears throat> Georgia, National Championship, uh, Kentucky, have they taken a next step forward with Devin Leary at quarterback? Uh, their schedule without, gets tough. Yeah, you're right. Their schedule gets tougher here in like about two weeks. Schedule gets tougher. So let's. I want to see what Kentucky's got. Um, let Let's see if if Tennessee can get. To, um, I don't know. Can get to the Alabama game undefeated? undefeated? Yeah, because they got South Carolina at home. A and M. A and M the week before. Right. So let Let's see if they can get to that point undefeated. Um, and then, you know, on the other end of that, I want to see – I'll throw one off the kind of the radar because we've talked about a lot of things. What's Hugh Freeze up to? What's his record? Yeah, the schedule's about to get real for them. You're right. You, Georgia and LSU about to come knocking. How many losses does Hugh Freeze have at the end of September? You know, have, 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 were, have they been humbled yet is probably the best way to put it. Um, so those are a couple of questions I'll have in the September. I think the national narrative is going to be – Okay, the SEC is good, but they ain't that good where they're going to have two teams vying for a playoff spot. Now, that could change in the month of October, you know, within two weekends. But, you know, right now, there's a lot of talent in other conferences. And I'm looking at the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that could potentially put the SEC not on a back burner, but – the SEC not having as many contenders as those conferences. And, and hell, I'm not even talking about Texas in the Big 12 even. So, should be a crazy month, man. I'm looking forward to it. Me too, man. I appreciate you getting on, man. Everybody, Trey Wallace from OutKick covers college athletics in a fantastic way. And if you don't already follow him, go give him the follow uh, at Trey Wallace underscore. Am I correct with that, Trey? It's, it's you, correct. You got it, brother. And I appreciate you coming on. I love the show. Uh, continue doing what you're doing, brother. I'll be watching. And, man, it's uh, – we're only two weeks, really two weeks into this college football season, but man, it flies by like that. So enjoy every freaking second. Oh, dude, you're 100 right. We'll be it'll be Thanksgiving before we blink. I mean, we'll blink. It'll be Thanksgiving. I you got say. that right. I look forward to coming on again, and I really appreciate you having me. Or Trey, have a good night, man. Thanks, Dave. Trey Wallace, guys, again does a fantastic job covering the sport. Follow his stuff again at Trey Wallace underscore. Does a great job. He had to get on a little earlier tonight. He's got to go write um, where he covers all college athletics, not just SEC. So he's got to go write an article with that updated information coming out with the Mel Tucker situation. But we're flipping to it. A lot of deal. We talked about it. We talked about more stuff. Uh, not even going to lie to you. I usually have questions prepared for people when they come on the show. Me and him just ad libbed. Talked all that SEC stuff just off the I think we almost touched on every SEC team at one point. At one point, we I think we talked about every SEC team. But around the SEC, before we get into week two's recap, uh, real quick, Trey Harris, the wide receiver, Louisiana Tech transfer for Ole Miss, knee injury. How long will he be out? It's a big question mark. Massive weapon for the Rams. Massive weapon for the Rams. That would be big if he's out for an extended period of time. Remember, they go to Tuscaloosa. They go to Bryant-Denny Stadium in two, not this one, about 12 days. Less than 12 days will kick that thing off. Uh, so, That'll be a big one. You get something to keep an eye on there. Talk about another injuries. Sam Pittman came out and said today, Rocket Raheem, or Raheem Rocket Sanders, I should call him. I call him Rocket Sanders. Uh, running back will be out this week for BYU. Word is he's got some. He's got an MCL issue. An MCL issue. I think Arkansas is trying to keep that under the wraps, but second week in a row he's been out. I get he's out this past week at Kitt State, but schedule is about to start getting real for Arkansas. It's about to start getting real for everybody, so it's interesting there. And then finally, Hugh Freeze straight up said the offense was terrible. 
on Saturday night. And he's not wrong. He was not wrong. Um, did he ever – is he going to ever take control of the offense? I know he doesn't really want to. Hugh Freeze, one of the best play callers in college football. At some point, it may have to happen because I know he does not like what's going on offensively, even though the Tigers got the big road win out in the Bay Area against Cal on Saturday night. Nick Saban talking about they, they they could be open to playing another quarterback. I'm hearing Tyler Buckner would be the next guy if they make the call to the bullpen. You'll get my thoughts in just a moment about that. But let's get right to it. That's around the SEC, the week two recap. Start off with the big one. Texas getting a 34-24 win over Alabama. Some didn't think Quinn Evers could do it. Did not think Quinn Evers could go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and win this game. I was one of them. I was one of them. Guilty as sin. I did not think he could go do it. It looked like the exact formula, though, that has beaten Alabama before in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Quarterback having a big game, taking advantage of explosive plays, Alabama having some critical turnovers. That's kind of the recipe for success to beat Alabama. Now, is this the same Alabama? I'm not ready to say the dynasty's dead. Dynasty is going to be dead when people stop making a big deal about beating Alabama. That's the easiest two plus two equals four way to say it. The Alabama dynasty is dead when people stop making a big deal about beating them. Like, look for look at Clemson, for example. I know they're an ACC school. We talk about the SEC here. Was anyone really that shocked Duke beat Clemson? I don't think anyone really cared after that. That's why the Clemson dynasty, the times of Dabo and them being a premier team in college football, that's over. Again, the dynasty for Alabama will be over when it's not the front thing on the headlines, talk on Sports Center. Scott Van Pelt's talking about it first thing when the show hops on at ESPN on a Saturday night. That's when you'll know it's over. But first, let's go back. Give Texas all the credit in the world. I mean, they could have had a chance to really run away with this. Texas was the better football team on Saturday. It really wasn't that close. Sark was dialed in, dialed it up. Remember, best two play, play callers in college football, in my opinion, Steve Sarkeesian and Mike Norvell. Do a fantastic job down up. Hugh Freeze when he does call it to that that conversation. But I would give Sark the edge at number one. He does a fantastic job. He's a motion-based matchup offense. He's going to scheme you to get the matchup advantage that he wants. Guys like him, he's got weapons all over the field. Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders at tight end, A.D. Mitchell, Georgia fans are familiar with, and Alabama fans are familiar with. He had the big catch against Alabama in the national championship game against Georgia. Had a touchdown the other night against Alabama. He just worked in Terry and Arnold. Just working them. But yeah, Texas did a phenomenal job. I mean, they had stretches to extend the lead early. They did that pick route on third and short. Hits, uh, I think, Worthy right in the hands. Alabama did not communicate on the switch there, I think, between Kool-Aid, McKinstry, and Caleb Downs. But, again, they just took advantage. Guys like Sark and Lane Kiffin, they know the holes in the Alabama defense. They know they're going to take advantage of. But also to think about it, you got to think Texas took advantage, took punches. They took punches in the second half. Alabama took the lead at the start of the fourth quarter at for about 60 seconds with Texas ultimately flexed their muscles in the fourth quarter, just dominated Alabama. It's usually what Alabama does to other teams is what Texas did. I mean, they ran the clock out with seven minutes left. They never gave Alabama the ball back. I thought Alabama did a good job stopping the run against Texas for the most part. You can tell early in the game, Texas was like, nah, we ain't going to run in the middle. So we're going to get, we're going to, throw some stuff out to our running backs in the flat, use that, suffice that in the run game, a little bit like how Tennessee does. Tennessee don't really run a ton between the tackles, but they'll get it out, short little screen passes to supplement it a little bit. But, dude, Texas just dominated the fourth quarter. I thought the defense played well for the most part. We'll get to Alabama in here in just a minute. The Texas true playoff team, I had them in the playoffs going into the season. They should win the Big 12. This is one of the best teams Texas had is in since probably 2009. So the, the team with Colt McCoy went and played at Alabama, coincidentally, in the national championship game. But tip the cap to Texas. The better team on Saturday, Sark and his team did a great job. They looked, they were not intimidated of Alabama, and they looked like they deserved to, play, deserved to be on the same playing field, if not more. I mean, they, they were the better team. 
We're just a better team. I, I, I don't see Texas dropping a lot of games this year. I'd be shocked if they were in the college football, if they were not in the college football playoff. But moving on to Alabama, Jalen Milrow, should no real feel for the game, does not anticipate throwing windows. And then my biggest, biggest pet peeve is you cannot turn the ball over. He doesn't understand defensive structures, just the simplistic ones. And that's what happens when you start turning the football over. It's, it's the basic 101 stuff for this guy. And he's a great kid, great leader. But, man, just a simple one, two plus two equals four cover. Too high safety look with an underneath defender. I'm about to show you right now. I'm about to show you right now, sharing the screen with you. Show you two plays here. His two picks. I'm going to tell you that up front. His two interceptions right here. Just this is simple stuff that Texas baited him into here. Simple stuff here. Look, it's a too high look. I believe this is Baron, the Baron kid. Uh, I believe so, right here. 23 for Texas from right quarter. Don't hold me to that. But just sits here. Watch this for just a minute. Just, just tunnel vision right here. Just telegraphing, baited him. Dude, you know when they drop. And the cover two back there. The guy is there's gonna be an underneath guy right there. There's gonna be an underneath defender sitting there. It's gonna jump the route, especially because they know they know in that system when Alabama because Jalen Miller right there thinks he has man-to-man coverage. He thinks he has man-to-man coverage, which is Jermaine Burton at the number is the number two receiver on the inside of there. He's, he thinks he's got man-to-man here with the linebacker. Little does he know. Little does he know. 23 here. I think this is Barron. Passes it off, sits there, jumps the route. This is probably they were like, man, we're probably going to get this in meetings on Tuesday and Wednesday last week. They probably were. I mean, they were. I mean, those are just turnovers you cannot have right there. Let me go to my next one that I wanted to show you. I mean, you've seen it before. It's the interception. It's the one in the fourth quarter. But let's go through it real fast. Sorry, let's get the advertisements off YouTube for you. Sunday NFL ticket. Uh, our Mike 10 Sports presented by Sunday NFL ticket. Um, right here. Make sure 133.46. But here we go. So Bama took the lead at about 60 seconds. Texas comes back and scores in about three plays. Bama's still in this game. As you can see, 14.05 left, first and 10. First play for in the, on this series. Exact same thing. Exact same play. Can't make it up here, man. Telegraphing the heck out of this pass right here. Rolls, stairs, underneath defender, picks it. I, I'm really baffled one of these two did not go for six. It's a borderline miracle almost. But I mean, I mean, what are we doing here, man? Like this is one of what this is stuff that he's gonna have a very short leash. I'd be shocked if Milro doesn't get the start against South Florida and Tampa this week. But if you start turning it over once or twice here in your first two or three series, you, you're gonna have to pull. You have to pull the plug. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, man, Jalen Milro. I mean, just wait till give him a chance. It's only his first start. It's only his second real start against a real team. His physical attributes aren't the issue. We all know that. It's his ability to diagnose defenses and understand the structures of defense. Like, what are you looking at here? I, I don't know what so – number eight sits here and just sits underneath, jumps it. I mean, what are you looking at? I mean, you're staring at it forever. How do you not see him? It's like he thinks he's an invisible man. I know I know Texas is in the all-white icy uniforms here. But, man, that's just 101 stuff. It just cannot happen. It can't happen. And Nick Saban stated he was close to pulling a quarterback until he hit. You know, I think he was probably going to bring in Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer, but he hit the big pass deep to give Alabama the lead. He hit it deep against um, or to uh, Jermaine Burton. To Jermaine Burton, hit it deep. Saban thought that gave him some confidence. His very next throw, 
should have been a pick six and essentially almost ended the game. So this, I didn't do it today. I, I didn't really want to bring it. I didn't really want to bring up. This is where it was lost. This, this is going to suffice for this. The coverage, man, just the diagnosing of a defense, understanding the structure of the defense is not there. Now, was the play calling necessarily there? We'll get into that in just a minute. Could they have helped him out? He's not. He isn't just a drop back quarterback like that. I think you do have to implement some RPOs. You got to implement it more in the run game. I think you, there are some ways you can help him, but you have to decide: Are you going to utilize? Are we going to turn this offense into to play to Jalen Milrow's strengths, or are you going to move on to somebody that you feel like can disperse the football, uh, get the offense in the right checks, the right offense, uh, right play call? And can he just deliver the simple pass? I mean, how many plays? Kirk Herbstreit brought it up. He missed so many. I think it was the play to um, Kobe Prentice or Isaiah Bond. I forget in it when I was watching last night. Herbstreit even brings up, man, he missed some hitches underneath that were wide open. He misses those. He does throw a fine deep ball, but he can't make every throw to every field. He just not. I see some people coming out today. Make, he has the ability to make all throws to all fields. No, he doesn't. No, 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 he does not. If Jalen Milrow stays the quarterback, I'm calling a spade a spade here, guys. Alabama's going to go lose two or three more games. It is what it is. It is what it is. Like for Alabama to go win the SEC West, Tyler Buckner's got to be the guy. Call me crazy. He is the most in-game success of anybody out of that quarterback room that's going to have a real shot to play. I mean, if they're playing Dylan Longer and the true freshman, I'm high on things aren't well. But I mean, Tyler Buckner won the uh, Gator Bowl MVP. Against an SEC team in South Carolina. Now, he wasn't great in that. He had a pick six, and he has more interceptions than he has touchdowns. I mean, he's hurt a lot last year, though. I'm not saying he's going to go reinvent the quarterback position. I'm not. But he's also, I don't think, going to go turn it over as often as Jalen Milrow is. And that's going to hurt you because I think the defense has improved. But let's just continue on here. Again, talking some other things that can help Dylan. The offensive line has to protect well. It has to protect well. Um, but, again, you have to play to Jalen Milrow's strengths. I don't think the run game for Alabama is bad. I think if they you look to the first two drives, they ran on Texas. They did. They ran on Texas. But teams are just going to load the box and dare Jalen Milrow to go make plays one-on-one outside. And they're going to play some – they're going to bring some underneath defenders and see – let's see if he can read it. He's staring right at me, but he may throw it. I, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Also, I, I don't really think Alabama has any real dudes on offense. But, hey, tip of the cap to the receivers. People were complaining about drop balls last year, rightly so. They made some contested catches. I mean, Jermaine Burton um, – Lee Benson, the junior college transfer, made some catches. Uh, Amari Nyblag, Nyblag, the tight end, he was a mismatch issue, scored a touchdown the other night. But I thought they abandoned the run a little bit too soon. I know some people are like, man, they can't do anything offensive line. I think the offensive line is going to improve. I think this is going to be a unit going to improve. It has to in pass protection. True freshman at left tackle, Caden Proctor, got worked. Um, like Nick Saban said, though, some of those sacks, hurries were on Jalen Norrell holding the football a little too long, not making decisions, just not looking real comfortable. But offense, man, a lot of issues there. I think the offensive line can prove. The receivers made some contested catches. I think the running back rooms got solid, not great group. They got some They got some guys. Jason McClellan is what he is. Rodeo Williams is what he is. I don't think they have a lot of home run threats, but solid group. It's going to come down to quarterback play, man. It's going to come out to quarterback play, and I'm going to be honest with you, to win the SEC West, I just do not trust Jalen Milrow to not go turn the ball over in critical situations critical i just don't think you can improve that much throughout the season he's people are like well he's only started four uh, he's only had about four real games to play in but he's been in a, he's been in college for three years now i mean that's 101 defense right there that's not bill belichick dialing it up with some crazy schemes here 
or he's got some robbery you can't see. I mean, you, I mean, that, that's basically too high shell with an underneath defender. I mean, it's, there's high school kids who can read that. And that's not a bash to Jalen Monroe. It's not. Great kid. It just is what it is. But defensively, I thought the defensive unit improved significantly. People are like, well, they got dominated in the fourth quarter. The first three quarters were fine. They kept Bama in the game in the first half. They did. Bama didn't score a touchdown in the first half, if you don't remember. But you're just not going to shut down offenses anymore. Really. The lead offenses are ultimately going to get theirs. Even the great – one of the greatest defenses of all time, the 2021 Georgia defense, with Roquan Smith and the boys, got 40-plus put on them against Alabama in the 21 SEC championship. And they got 40-plus on them. It's just hard to shut down these top defenses, these top offenses. The defense kept Alabama in the game and just until they did it. Fourth quarter got dominated. Once Alabama got the lead, it was like the defense was just too – they exhausted so much in those first three quarters. But I think the defense is going to be fine. You saw a lot of hard hitting, swarming to the football, good open field tackle. And there was the one play on the reverse to, I believe, Xavier Worthy. It was a great play call. They out-leveraged Alabama. But Terry and Arnold got off a block from Jatavius Sanders and made a play. I think probably scores or it's going to come down to Caleb Williams versus – uh, Caleb Downs versus Xavier Worthy in a one-on-one situation in the secondary. And Xavier Worthy versus a true freshman, I'm probably going to take him. So he probably scores. Bama tackled better last year. They looked more physical. Did they get some pass interference calls when they probably were in a position they did, that they didn't need to panic? Sure. But I saw improvement. Fourth quarter, just it can't happen. Can't happen. Run out the last seven minutes. That, that's just not Alabama. That's not an Alabama standard. And I think they would tell you that. But where does Alabama go from here? Still a lot to play. Everything is in front of you. They still probably have one more get-out-of-jail-free card. I mean, if they're 10-2 and two rolling into the SEC championship with one conference loss, and let's just say Texas is rolling two and they're in the playoffs. If they go win the SEC in 11-2, and two, they're going to be in the playoffs. So, Bama, people are like, they don't have any more get-out-of-jail-free cards. And they got one more. Not that they don't probably want to use it, but they got one more. But where does Bama go from here? Where do they go from here? I think you have to make a change at the quarterback position. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I see a lot of people kind of be like, let him develop. Man, people are really – I would love to see the haters when Jalen Milrow really gets it going. It's not going to get going at the University of Alabama. They have to make a change if they ultimately want to still go go reach their ultimate goals. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I mean, we have a segment today where I was right, where I was wrong. But I firmly believe right now Alabama could not go win the SEC West, which should be the realistic goal right now with Jalen Milrow quarterback. Getting off that game, we had some other great matchups across the SEC. Ole Miss getting a 37-20 win over the Tulane Green Wave. Game was a lot closer to the score than I thought it would be. Tulane with a backup quarterback. Michael Pratt didn't even play. I thought Tulane's a solid team, man. They are. It impressed me the first two weeks. I thought they'd lose to South and play Ole Miss worse. I really did. I typically Willie Fritz didn't do a fantastic job of there. Tulane was up 17-10 at the half. But give the Rebel defense a clap, too, man. Rebel defense, Pete Golden adjusted along with Jackson Dart. Just the heart and soul of the Rebs right now. But sticking on defense right now, defense wasn't looking great in the first half, but, but man, Pete Golden then made some adjustments in the second half. You got it. They, they held Tulane in check. I know Michael Pratt didn't play, but still held them in check and their backs were against the wall. But again, Jackson Dart, heart and soul of this team right now. Ole Miss would be up, you know what, Creek without a paddle right now without him. The offensive line, Trey was talking to him. Maybe Ole Miss goes in and beats Alabama in two weeks. If that offensive line doesn't get better, I, I don't think it happens. They got totally whipped by two lanes defensive front up there. Got Patrick Jenkins just was living in the backfield. Probably need to start paying taxes there. I mean, it was bad. I mean, almost got whipped. Almost got whipped, man. They really did. They, I mean, eight tackles for a loss and four sacks given up to the two lane defense. I mean, it just, it just wasn't good. Like I said, Pat Jenkins had a fantastic day. 
uh, for the Green Wave. Good job on their defensive line front. But Ole Miss, I mean, even Lane Kiffin said today, they got issues running the football. They couldn't even get Quinchon Judkins going. So it's pass pro and the run game. Ole Miss got to get that offensive line shored up. Uh, they need guys. Michael Trigg showed up and played well. He looked engaged. I just don't know if he can consistently be engaged week to week. Uh, Quinton Judkins, like I said, couldn't get going in the run game uh, just because of the Rebel front. But Tulane, good football team. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you win the game, survive. How do you feel right now? It's a legitimate question. Man. I, I really didn't take a lot from that just because Michael Pratt didn't play. But, again, the game probably was closer than the 37-20 uh, final that was given. But, yeah. A win's a win. I mean, Tulane's going to be a solid team. I think they'll probably end up winning the AAC thing, get Michael Pratt healthy and get their lead defender back. But good road win for Ole Miss down in the Big Easy. Uh, but they have some issues, especially in that offensive line right there. So that's, that's some of the recap from the Ole Miss 37-20 win over Tulane. Texas A&M dropping 48-33 matchup to the Miami Hurricanes down in Miami. I mean, this wasn't great by any means. I mean, nobody really thought they'd lose this game. This was – gut punch, but it's not as bad as people think if you go back and watch the film. Secondary has answer, has issues for sure. No sugarcoat. There's some things I like that about the front seven for the Ags. There really was. The, the secondary just struggles with tackling with angles overall. That was the thing. The front seven, the run defense, I think, is better. But like I said, going into the matchup, if they struggles in the secondary, Miami can win this game. They certainly did. I mean, they found the matchup advantage against a young corner in JV and Thomas. Give the Canes credit, man. They found it. They were flying around, especially on defense, playing with confidence. Funny how the narrative changes. People thought the issue would be Jimbo and Bobby Petrino. The offense had some issues, but it's not why they lost the game. It's the defense. We all said going in all offseason that I said that, that the offense would not be an issue. I, I, and I still continue to. I like Connor Wigman. I think he does a great, fantastic job. But A&M, if they ultimately want to compete for the West, it's going to come down to the defense. And DJ Durkin improving this second season. Hey, He's got to go shore up that secondary. It, it was bad. A lot of missed tackles, guys running free, double moves. I get it. JV and Thomas is a true freshman. But we got to get that cleaned up. If you're a Texan and Bam, you got to get that cleaned up. But I don't think it's as bad as people think. And you talk to people in the building like I have the last two days. They they went back and watched the film. And they're like, it really wasn't as bad. We got a couple calls back uh, that we'd like to have back that we probably score on from that standpoint. Now, Miami gave AM some stuff too. They fumbled a punt inside their own 10 at AM, got the else we scored on. They had over 100 yards and penalties. So what an overall clean game, but it's not as bad, especially if you're looking at AM and you're looking at the other teams in the West. Again, like I said, I would be still shocked if the SEC West was not won by either Alabama, LSU, or Texas A&M. But at the same time, those other four teams between Arkansas, which we don't really know a lot about, but we're about to find out, Ole Miss, Auburn, and Mississippi State are going to beat one of those three teams, if not a couple of them. Just telling you about it. Miami getting the 48-33 win over Texas A&M. It's not how A&M wanted to start. It's not uh, – Trey brought up second time in a row, second season in a row they've lost their week two game. But with the way the SEC's taking shape, AM, I don't – right now with Jalen Milrow at quarterback, I don't think Alabama in three or four weeks goes to College Station and wins at Kyle Field. I don't I – mean, he hasn't played a road game yet, Jalen Milrow, and he struggled at home. Do you? Do I think he's going to go into a loud environment in College Station and not turn the football over? I mean, I, give me AM right now in that game if Jalen Milrow's starting. That's why if I'm AM, I'm looking around the West – Still kind of our year to maybe go get this done in the last year of the SEC West. We didn't want it yet. If there was ever a year to go do it, it's this year. But AM's got some stuff they got to improve on themselves, but it's not all bad, guys. I know it's crazy. People probably expect me to come on and just totally bash AM. But go back and watch the film. It was not as bad. Be, don't, don't be shocked if Miami's in Charlotte playing for the ACC championship game. Now, 
It also wouldn't shock me in two weeks if Miami went and lost somewhere like at NC State, a game they should go win. But it would also not shock me if we finally got that Florida State-Miami ACC championship match. They created the AC or they moved Miami to the ACC four. Again, never happened. But I think Miami's better than people think. Tyler Van Dyke, incredible. Going to the next one, Mississippi State over Arizona, 31-24 in overtime. Told anyone who would listen, if you listen to the show regularly, that this game would be close. This game would be close. Arizona, a much improved team. Jed Fish and that staff done a great job rebuilding that roster. I expect them to be a bowl team this year. I do. Six, seven wins. Mississippi State fans do not take this win for granted. Do not take it for granted. You beat a good team. Defensively, Jet Johnson was awesome. And I thought he was going to be a mismatch problem for Arizona. I'll be honest with you. I thought they were going to try to take advantage, but he's a tackling machine. On offense, Woody Marks has to be elated. The running back, I mean, he got 24 carries and four catches. Touched about 28 times. Again, Trey brought it up. I think Will Rogers threw 15 times. He used to throw 40 times in a game with Leach. So a totally different looking offense. State's got to get better in the red zone. Got to cash it in. But I think the offense is going to continue to improve. Um, like I said, I know they struggled on third down in the red zone, but this is the first time a lot of these guys have been in this offense. And I got hell for saying Mississippi State, who had four out of five starters back in the offensive line, was going to be a little bit of adjustment with this new offensive line, with this new system. And it is. And that's fine. That is fine. That's fine. They're going to continue to get better. Will Rogers is also still adapting a new system. Again, do not take this win for granted, Mississippi State fans. It's a good win against a solid team. Both State and Auburn need to take their win. They, they, they need to pride themselves. When's that prize? Probably not the right word. But just don't take their two wins against these Pac-12 teams for granted. Auburn getting the cow win, especially with how the, the rest of the SEC has looked. I mean, what's the best win in the SEC in non-conference? I mean, is it Ole Miss at Tulane? Is it Auburn at Cal? Mississippi State over Arizona? I'm probably going to go – Mississippi State over Arizona may be it, if I'm being honest. Then probably Ole Miss versus Tulane. I mean, you're going to factor in Pratt being out or not. Conversation for another day. But Mississippi State, I think, getting a solid win. It was going to be – I always thought it was going to be close. So, if you didn't and now you're writing off Mississippi State, Jerome Deal, I do think this Mississippi State LSU game on Saturday could be close. Just letting you know. Auburn over Cal. Speaking of the Tigers getting the Pac-12 win, low score fest. This is one of the things I was very wrong on this weekend. Cal, over Cal, 14-10. to 10. Big pillow fight down in Berkeley. But a win's a win. I said it last week. Auburn just needs to survive this game because the schedule's about to get rough. It is. After this week against Sanford, they get Georgia at home and go at LSU. It gets rough. They get, or sorry, they go, sorry, after Sanford, they go on the road to at AM, Georgia at home, and, and at LSU. And then I think Ole Miss comes to town. It's getting rough. So they need to get the wins where they can. Turn the ball over four times, though, and still got to win, Auburn, dude. Game did not go like I thought, though. I thought it would be a lot more points. Peyton Thorne is struggling right now. But I thought the Auburn running backs are fine. Cadillac Williams done a good job. Damari Austin, Jarquez Hunter, they do a good job. Defense played really well. I mean, you had Eugene Asante, the North Carolina transfer, the SEC Defensive Player of the Week, just a, t- a tackle machine. 12 tackles, one sack, one pass deflection. Guys like Jalen McLeod, Keldrick Falk, Keontae Scott, they all look good defensively. I thought Auburn looked pretty good defensively. Ugly win. But when you count the miscues and the cross-country road trip, you could tell Hugh Freeze early in the week last year did not like this. So that's why I thought this game would be close, too. Do they have issues that they have to get sorted out? Absolutely. But Cal is an improved team, too. But it's two really good play callers offensively and Jake Spavital, new OC, who's been there before. And then defensively, the head coach, Justin Wilcox. They have two good guys that understand both sides of the football. But like I said, Auburn better buckle up. Sanford this week, then it gets real. It's real. At AM, Georgia, and LSU coming up. But Auburn getting the – Ugly 14-10 win over Cal, but hey, first year with a new head coach, you're going to take any win over a Power 5 team on the road 
cross-country road trip across the world that you can, that you can take. You'll take it. So Auburn's 2-0. They'll take it. Going over some other SEC action, LSU 72-10 win over Grambling State. Not going to get much into this one, but Logan Diggs, the running back transfer from Notre Dame, who we didn't really see a lot against Florida State. Can he be that guy in the running back room? Looked pretty good this past week from re-watching that game. Very interesting matchup in Starville this week. 11 a.m. kickoff. This is, this is LSU's first chance to kind of get back off the mat after the LSU game, after the Florida State game. Um, they should go into Startville picking a fight. And also when Arkansas comes to town next week, they should be going into pick fight. LSU should have a chip on their shoulder to kind of try to go prove something. LSU's still a good football team, guys. I'm telling you all that. Arkansas getting the 28-6 win over Kent State. This game went as worrisome as some I saw her taking it. Going back and watching it, I think Arkansas took control and then ran and played dead for a lot of the second half. K.J. Jefferson looked solid, fitting into tight windows. The windows are going to get a little bit tighter as we get into the SEC. Be interested to see how him and Danny Enos continue to develop. Defensive line, I agree, it's an improved unit. Uh, but the next two weeks, we're going to find out about the 2023 Razorbacks. BYU this week at home, then they go to Baton Rouge in 12 days. This week, I'm telling you, BYU is going to challenge them, but they should take care of business. Tough to really form an opinion on Arkansas right now, though, after Western Carolina week one and then Kent State week two. Tough to tell. You'll be able to tell some this week, and then really the two weeks after that, it'll get real. At LSU and then Texas A&M in Arlington. But Arkansas getting the 28-6 win over Kent State. Missouri getting the 23-19 win versus Middle Tennessee State. I told people this would be close. I'm worried about the Tigers, though, now offensively. Both offensive line and quarterback position after going back and watch all have issues. Brady Cook, quarterback, missed Luther Burden numerous times downfield. Just beating Luther Burden beating his guy the line of scrimmage. Brady Cook just cannot get it to him. Um just a couple deep shots that he has to connect on against quality competition. They have to get they have he has to hit those if they're going to hit their ceiling, which I think is eight wins. Defensive line I still like a lot, but a little more down on Missouri after week two than I thought I would be. But we'll find out a lot this week. Uh, as K-State rolls into town, a little revenge factor for Missouri. But I thought this would be a tough game because Middle Tennessee State does a lot of stuff uh, defensively that can mess some teams up. Um, and then it's a trap game of them looking ahead to Kansas State. But disappointed a little bit in that uh, in that first weekend. Uh, a little disappointed in that in this last Saturday's matchup for Missouri, especially offensive line and quarterback. Georgia, 45-3 win over Ball State. Defense, really good. Probably the best in the country. Would like to see a little bit more of a pass rush, though, but not worried, not worried. I think they get after South Carolina this week. I think this is going to be the first game Kirby has the boys ready. I think he's going to have them ready. Uh, we'll get into the schedule this week a little bit. But Dylan Bell could suffice Summit running back. Could he be a little different? Could he take a little bit of a load? That helped Dell McGee's room for sure. Carson Beck. We'll get a solid test this week against a decent South Carolina defense. We'll see a lot from Carson Beck. That's really what I'm looking forward to. Like the defense. I, I want to see a little bit of Carson Beck and Mike Bobo, that relationship. Uh, but look comfortable this week. Vanderbilt took a loss, one of the many SEC losses the ACC. Took a loss to Wake Forest, 36-20. Vandy has the skill guys to get a bowl game. I like those guys. I do. The guys like Seth McGow McGowan, Will Shepard, I like those guys. But it all starts at the trenches. Vanderbilt's off as a line it has to get better. The defense for Vanderbilt, gosh, very frustrating unit. Had a couple of times they could get off the field, but just pass interference, like blatant pass interference calls. I forget the kids' name, number 26 for South Carolina for Vanderbilt. Just struggling, just struggling. The secondary is awful. It's awful. Uh, A.J. Swan, I love the upside, but he always has a poor throw every game, critical pick. Again, I think he has the most upside probably since Jay Cutler was there. I like him a lot. They have to get a win this week at UNLV in Vegas. For them to go hit the win total, I put on uh, three and a half win total. They have to go get it done. They have to go get it done this week. 
But Vanderbilt taking the loss to Wake Forest. It could have been a game they could have used. Kentucky struggled some with Eastern Kentucky, but got the 28-17 win. Not panicking yet with the Cats. They're getting better up front. I think Leary's going to be fine. Defense, thought it'd be better at this point a little bit, if I'm being honest. I mean, Trevin Wallace has done a good job on the front seven, but some of the other guys got to improve. Got to get a little bit more consistent. It's really it. The takeaways I got from that, again, uh, prayers for Liam Cohen, offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Had to go to the hospital yesterday, so we'll keep you up to date on that. Thought I'd throw that one in. Tennessee getting a 30-13 to 13 win over Austin P. Some people are worried. Some people are worried. Wasn't impressive going back and watch the film. Before we get into it, Joe Milton, got to talk about the Tennessee running back room. Before we get into Joe Milton, got to talk about this Tennessee running back room. Trey brought up some of it. Have said it all year. Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, Jabari Small, all good players. Though in the offensive line and Jacob Warner firing off the ball to control the line of scrimmage, I, I like Tennessee's run game. D and like I said, defense, one of the more underrated units in the country, but it's all going to come down to Joe Milton in that wide receiver group. Joe Milton got crapped on a lot this past week, but what about those receivers? What about those top four receivers? Mel Keaton, Brew McCoy, Thornton. Those guys got to step up, squirrel white. They got to catch balls when Joe delivers it to them. You knew Joe was going to be a little bit inconsistent, but inconsistent. But what I really do think, I think this week is going to tell a lot. It's going to be a big test in a big environment. Florida's going to have their backs against the wall. Their fans, their team, their staff knows this is a must win for them. And it's a new opportunity for life. They can be 1 0 in conference. Tennessee's going to get the kitchen sink, though, Adam, this week. Florida, solid unit defensively. I'm interested to see what new OC Austin Armstrong does. Aggressive play style. I, I'm real fired up to see what he does against Tennessee this week. Um, like I said, the receivers have down my nose. Oh, they got to get better. They got to get better. They got to start catching the balls they're supposed to. Uh, it's an all-around problem, though. But uh, missing scrimmages. I mean, those, scrimmage, those receivers didn't play a lot. They kind of set them out so they wouldn't get injured. Is that starting to rear its ugly head? Maybe. Maybe. Not get enough time with Joe Milton. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm not. But just something to think about. Not overly concerned, but this week with Tennessee will tell us a ton. Uh, Florida in the 49-7 win over McNeese State. Again, not going to learn much, but they look better offensively, obviously, than they did week one. A lot of – they changed up their scheme a little bit. A lot of stretch, split zone, bootlegs, going back and watching. The run game seemed to be there with Montrell Johnson. I like him a lot. Uh, I think Florida's going to be more balanced. And I think they're going to look better this week against Tennessee. I, that line's – Vegas knows something. Minus six and a half. This game's going to be close. It's going to be a fun game in the Swamp this weekend. I think Florida's going to come at and out and throw, the, like I said earlier, the kitchen sink at Tennessee. Florida's got nothing to lose. They do. I mean, I mean they got nothing to lose. I mean, some people may be like, well, Billy Napier and his job. I really don't think they have. Tennessee better be careful. They're, they're rolling into a hornet's nest. Uh, South Carolina, 47-21 win over Furman. I know it's Furman, but South Carolina looked better offensively. Uh, with as bad as the offensive line – is you got to be creative. You got to design more quarterback runs. Use Xavier Leggett in a wildcat motion situations. This week's going to be tough, though. These going to be tough sledding in Athens. They're getting 26 and a half. I think it may have gone up a little bit with that. But but so are the two games after that with Mississippi State coming to town and then at Tennessee. It's conference play now. You have to come up with a game plan to help alleviate the issues that the offensive line has called. And you got to help Spencer Rattler out because he's a good quarterback. If you give him time, I like Spencer Rattler, and I like Xavier Leggett. I think there's some stuff. It's going to come down to Dow Logan's again. But defensively, they looked okay. Couldn't really tell against Furman. But the Yankees get the 47-21 win over Furman. Uh, and that wraps up just kind of the scores heading into uh, week three. Let's look at the schedule as we're heading in to this week. I'll pull it up for you share the screen. 
right here. So here's schedule heading into this week. Again, LSU, Mississippi State, morning kickoff, 11 a.m. on ESPN. Interesting ball game. We'll get into that on Thursday. A K-State, Missouri, it's another 11 a.m. kickoff in the SEC Network. South Carolina, Georgia is the CBS game, 2.30. Alabama, South Florida. Uh, Alabama's an interesting game at Raymond James Stadium. Alabama's on ABC at 2.30. ULM, Monroe, uh, heading to College Station for AM to try to get back on track on the SEC Network. The big one, Tennessee at Florida, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on ESPN. Auburn, this could be one of their few wins they get here in the next few weeks. they got to take advantage against the Sanford Bulldogs, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on the SEC Network Plus, ESPN Plus. Vanderbilt must win in Vegas, in my opinion. They wouldn't have any shot to go to a bowl game, which I, they're not going to get to six, I'll be honest with you. But if they want to hit their over win total for you people like me that bet the over three and a half win total, uh, or no, yeah, over three and a half win total, for the doors, you need this one. But 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone kickoff on CBS Sports Network, Vanderbilt at UNLV. 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone kickoff, the Ramblin' Wreck of Georgia Tech. Brent Key and the boys roll into town to face Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, SEC Network. 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, BYU at Arkansas. We discussed that earlier. That'll be on ESPN2. Then finally, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Akron at Kentucky on ESPNU. Real quick before we get you out of here, uh, not get you out of here, so we got a couple more other things. Real quick before we stop sharing the screen here, just wanted to go over the SEC did announce. I meant to hit this in around the SEC. Uh, sorry. Go to the, They announced the week four matchups in the television game. So I just wanted to go over that real fast, just for you people who keep up with a lot of time. With a, sorry, with a lot of times. Um, share. Yeah, here we go. Perfect. All right. So it's the week four matchup. This is in two weeks, 12 days. You keep hearing me say that. So the 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN, Auburn at Texas A&M. Joining them for that brunch uh, game, Kentucky at Vanderbilt, SEC Network. 2.30, CBS matchup, Ole Miss at Alabama. Three o'clock matchup. Interesting non-conference game. It's going to be a tough one for Tennessee right after the Florida game, too. UTSA, Jeff Trailer and the boys rolling and kneeling on the SEC Network at 3 o'clock Central. Arkansas at LSU as the ESPN night game at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone. Charlotte at Florida at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on the SEC Network, ESPN+. Plus. UAB at Georgia on ESPN2, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone. And then Memphis at Missouri. I believe that game's in St. Louis. Uh, yeah, it is. 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on ESPNU. And then the 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone kickoff, Mississippi State at South Carolina on the SEC Network. So this is week four's action. They announced this today. Remember, they usually announce this 12 days out. They take that window. So these matchups are in 12 days. So soak in right there. We'll continue to talk about that as we get a little closer. But, we hey, we got a, we got a week of football that we still need to get through this week that we're excited about. But – Rolling through that. Let, let's get to where I was wrong and where I was right. Week two edition before we get into the SEC power rankings. Where I was wrong. Say a lot of things about your guy here. But I will admit where I was wrong. I, I thought Alabama would get more pressure, bring more pressure against the interior of the Texas offensive line. Give credit to guys like Hayden Connor, Jake Majors, and DJ Campbell. Uh, that's their that's their left guard, center, and right guard in that order. Uh, for really – Handling Alabama's four-man pressure. I mean, it's not even pressure, four-man front. I mean, the game plan for Texas was to get the ball out a little bit, swing passes to the running back. They weren't trying to get Quinny Ewers uh, sacked. But, again, Quinny Ewers could have wore his jersey 
to church the next morning. Didn't even need to be washed. The equipment got Texas running into Washington's Jaquini jersey. He didn't Quinn Ewers' jersey. He didn't. He, he wouldn't touch. And I think it's a little bit on Kevin Steele. I mean, you like a bunch of those fire zone blitzes, those cross dog blitzes that you can affect the quarterback from the interior. Quarterbacks hate getting affected on the interior, guys being on their feet instead of from the edge. They'd rather have they'd rather get the edge rushers than the guys who can create havoc on the interior. I think Bama could have brought more pressure on the interior. Some people disagree with me that I've talked to, but I think they could have brought more pressure. I really, I really think they do. And I think the defense did play. I think overall it played fine except the fourth quarter, but they could have brought up some more pressure, five, six-man blitzes overall and a lot starting to the interior of the offensive line. I, I was wrong, but again, give Hayden Connor, Jake Majors, and DJ Campbell credit. I mean, I saw a video uh, on Twitter, DJ Campbell just dominating. I think it was Deontay Lawson. Um Finishing him, just just dominating him, like embarrassing him, taking his first child embarrassment. Uh, something you like. I saw former Alabama players like Marquise Mays, Reggie Ragland, uh, coming out on Twitter and being like, "This is embarrassing, man. Like, wh- where's the toughness? Where's the pride in the program?" But give it to Texas; they looked like Alabama. They're just the better team. Uh, where I was wrong again, the Alabama offensive line in the preseason. I told you this wasn't just a week two where I was wrong. I'm gonna bring this one. I think everybody is wrong with this. They gave up five sacks, nine tackles for loss. Alabama's offensive line. Oh, it's so much heavier than a bunch of NFL offensive lines. I mean, who cares? They look slow and sluggish. They gotta get they gotta get better. Now, some of that was Jalen Milrow holding the football too long, but it was not a physical unit. I think the run game was abandoned a little too much. I think it's gonna be a unit that improves them. Hear me out. I think the I think they'll be able to run the football. Pass protection has to improve though. Has to improve. I think everybody thought this was gonna be a strength for Alabama coming into the year. It still could by the end of the year, but coming into the year, I think people thought they'd be much further along. Myself included. So I was totally wrong on that. Then finally, where I was wrong, Auburn at Cal. I thought, were, I thought both, both teams would have more success offensively than they did this past week. I mean, the final score is 14 to 10. I mean, we had 24 total points in this one. I think the over-under was 52 and a half. I took the over. That's where when I was wrong, where I went one and six this week. Embarrassing. But I was completely wrong with that. A lot of that was just an ugly played game. I think there were seven turnovers by uh, between the two of them, a bunch of missed field goals. Just a sloppy game. Again, Auburn fans don't take it for granted. But, again, I, I thought there was going to be more points scored from that. Uh, where I was right, where Dave was right, I just told you where I was wrong, but let me toot my horn for myself here a little bit. The Mississippi State-Arizona game, telling people it would be close. No one believed me. No one believed me. I told you, Arizona's an improved team. Again, Mississippi State, just like I just told Auburn fans, do not take this win for granted. Arizona's going to be in a bowl game. Um, like I said, if Texas ain't anymore to lose, it'd be because of their secondary. It will not be because of their offense, and it's not going to be Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher's fault. Do they have some stuff they need to clean up on the offensive line? Absolutely. Steve Adazio is probably in the film room right now trying to break it down to help guys like Bryce Foster. How can we get better? But the secondary, Miami found matches. They found mismatches. Tackling was poor. I told you, if Miami could take advantage of the AM secondary. They'd have a chance to win the game, and boy, did they. Boy, did they. And then finally, Missouri, Middle Tennessee State. I told you to be a trap game. Final was 23-19 Missouri right before the Kansas State game, the revenge game. I think Missouri's not as good offensively in the front as I thought they'd be at this point. They'd be great. Just I mean, a lot of drink was the same. It was a deep unit for them. A lot of needs to stop lying to me. Brady Cook, I thought he'd be improved. Cannot hit Luther Burton. He has to start hitting those. Has to. But I thought this game would be close. I thought this game would be close. So where I was wrong, uh, I thought Alabama would get more pressure on the interior of the Texas offensive line, credit to Hayden Connor, Jake Major, and DJ Campbell, the interior of the offensive line for Texas. But I think some of that was scheme. Alabama could have brought more pressure, more pressure from the A-B gaps. The Alabama offensive line in preseason, 
I, I, I was totally wrong on that. Five sacks, nine tackles for loss later on this Monday. We were all wrong. Most people were. I'm not saying it still can't be a strength. My season's in. Right now it's not. Auburn and Cal thought it would have more, thought they would score more points offensively. Completely wrong. But a lot of that was an ugly game. Seven turnovers. Final score, 14-10. Missed field goals. Just wrong on that. But where I was right, toot my own horn a little bit. Mississippi State, Arizona game being close. I was right. Went into overtime. Arizona's going to be a solid football team. Do not sleep on that win, Mississippi State fans. Told you if Texas A&M were to lose, it would be because of the secondary. I was right. And I told you Missouri, Middle Tennessee State was going to be a trap game because Middle Tennessee State plays with reckless abandon and they put a lot of pressure on you. And then I thought it was kind of a trap game for Missouri. It was potentially looking ahead to K-State. But you know what time it is here. SEC Power Rankings Week 3. Leading off, starting 14 up. The Vanderbilt Commodores coming in at 14th. Again, secondary is really bad. They're just they're the worst team in the SEC right now. They have to get this win against UNLV this week. 13th, Missouri. I gotta see it. I got you can maybe move up, not even beat in Kansas State. You just gotta look decent. But right now, until the quarterback play offensive line gets better, Missouri, you're sitting at 13th. 12th, Auburn fans may call me crazy again. Embrace that cow win. You're 2-0, but you're coming in at 12th in the Mach 10 sports. Week three SEC power rankings. Auburn, the quarterback play, offensive play is awful. It's some turnovers. Running backs, thought they did a good job uh, getting skinny, hitting their holes, but kind of hold on to the football. Turnovers are an issue. You're not going to win a lot of games on the road when you turn the ball over four times. That's an anomaly. You're the, you're you're an exception there, Auburn. Uh, but Auburn coming in at 12. Florida coming in at number 11. They got a lot to prove this week. They're a pissed off, angry dog backed into the corner. Tennessee better be careful. I think I saw a little bit on film. You know that Florida's getting a little comfortable in their offensive system this week. I know it was McNeese State. They ran some things you didn't see against Utah. Florida coming in at 11, though. Uh, South Carolina coming in at number 10. Things to be rough sledding for them this week down in Athens, though, at Sanford Stadium. To the offensive line gets severely improved, which is not going to happen though this whole year. I think South Carolina comes in at 10 for me right now. Mississippi State, 2-0 team rolling in at number 9. The offense is going to continue to get better. I like the defense a lot. They're just slotted in at number nine for me here. Offense is going to continue to improve. Ole Miss coming in at eight, 2-0 off the win against Tulane. Some may argue the best win the SEC has. Ole Miss is offensive line. That's a struggle for me right now. Yeah, it's a struggle. I have a hard time putting them any higher until that improves. Will it? I don't know. Uh, Georgia Tech this week, then it's Alabama and LSU back-to-back. So they better figure out the offensive line position. But the Rabs coming in at number eight. Kentucky, not as panicky as some people have, are. It's a good thing their schedule's a little soft on the front end. Again, Akron this week. And then Vanderbilt uh, coming up as well. Coming in at seven, I think Devin Leary and them are going to get figured out. Again, keep Liam uh, Cohen, the Kentucky offensive, line, uh, offensive coordinator, and your thoughts and prayers got rushed to the hospital. But I think Kentucky's defense is going to improve a little bit. I thought it would be a little bit better. But Kentucky's offense is going to continue to improve. The left side of the offensive line is solid now. They just got to get that center and the right side figured out. I'm not as low on Kentucky as some are right now. Arkansas checking in at six. I really don't know how – I don't know if I know a lot about the Razorbacks right now. I think these next few weeks we're going to learn, starting this week against BYU. I think they should win that, but they're going to get challenged. Then at LSU and A&M and Arlington, we're going to find out real fast. We're going to find out how improved that defense is and what Dan Enos and K.J. Jefferson have cooking on offense. But the Razorbacks coming at six, heading into week three. Tennessee, kind of like Trey a little bit. Going to throw last week uh, to Austin P. The Govs is just kind of a wash. But Joe Milton and the receivers, it's not just Joe. They have to be more consistent. And, again, I think they're going to be in for a real challenge this week, a real challenge this week in the Swamp. They are. But right now i got Tennessee at fifth, so maybe argue that they need to – got them behind some of the West teams. Yeah, right now I would. I would. Right now I would. Not saying they can't move up, 
Right now, I, I would put them at fifth. I would put Tennessee at fifth right now. Fourth. I think you can make a case one through five either way, and you could have me sold. But here, the Mock 10 Sports Week 3 power rankings, we had the Texas A&M fight Nagy's coming in at fourth. Uh, I, again, I don't think that Miami loss was as bad as it was. I think Miami significantly improved. Um, my guy Tyler Siski said it. I think Miami looked in their first two weeks like people wanted them to in year one last year, Mario Cristobal. For whatever reason, they didn't. Injuries, coordinators didn't fit. But right now they do. Again, don't be shocked. Miami's playing in the ACC championship game against Florida State. We would not be shocked at all. Texas A&M, I like the offense. I like the front seven. The defense, the run defense has improved. DJ Durkin's got to figure out the back end. But, again, everyone in the SEC right now I think has holes except Georgia. In Arkansas, we just don't know yet. But A&M coming at fourth. The Alabama Crimson Tide coming in at number three. I think the defense has improved. I think the offensive line, if given time, is going to continue to develop in the run game. Pass pro has got to get better. It's all going to come down to the quarterback position. It's going to come down to they cannot win a championship with Jalen Milrow. I'm just I'm going to be out front and vocal. Some people I see on social media in the sports media world are not ready to go say that. I don't know why, but I'm going to say that they're not going to win a championship with Jalen Milrow quarterback. Something has to change. But I still think right now they come in at number three in the SEC. Number two, LSU. Just think they have less question marks, and I think they got the best. Uh, quarterback situation out of those three teams in the SEC West right now, and including Tennessee. I mean, Joe Milton's got a higher upside, but I trust Jaden Daniels to make the simplistic throws, pick up some yards with his legs. Right now, I think LSU is the second best team in the SEC, but they got a real challenge this week, like Trey said. I agree with him. It's a, tra- it's a tricky game, 11 a.m. LSU's games in Starkville, these stats don't really matter, but it's traditionally, I think it's always a real ugly game that State ends up always winning by 13-17, pulling away in the fourth quarter. Could definitely see something like that this week. But they got a real challenge on their hands. I think Mississippi State's really good on defense. I'm interested to see how much improved LSU will be on uh, offense, and especially on third down. And then the defense, what are they going to look like? What are they going to look like? The number one, I told you earlier, no surprise, Georgia. I mean, how can you move them? I think this is going to be Georgia's real come-out party this week. I think Georgia's going to look pretty good against South Carolina. I do. I mean, Trey Wallace brought it up. What if they don't? I think this is where Kirby gets them going. Because remember, I say it all the time, Kirby does not like Shane Beamer. If he gets a chance to go cover that line, they're going to do it. Not that he really – I'm sure he keeps up with it. He would never say publicly, but I'm sure he probably knows a little bit of that. But if Georgia has a chance to put their foot on South Carolina's throat, they are. They are, and I think this is Georgia's come-out party. So, week heading into week three, SEC power rankings here at Mike 10 Sports. we got Georgia at number one, LSU number two, Alabama number three, Texas A&M number four, Tennessee five, Arkansas six, Kentucky seven, Ole Miss eight, Mississippi State nine, South Carolina 10, Florida 11, Auburn 12, Missouri 13th, and Vanderbilt 14th. And then finally, before we get you out of here, we got to go over – Poor as they were, guys. The Mach 10 money-making Thursday picks. <clears throat> My weekend picks. Let's just go over where I was wrong. Texas a and minus four. They lost the game straight up. I felt confident in that one. It just didn't happen. Again, not totally down on the Ags. Not really even disappointed in that bet. I'm really not disappointed in any of my seven bets. It's early. Again, stick with me here. More films coming. We're going to get better. Uh, lost that one. Alabama minus seven and a half. Again, lost straight up. Never really felt that comfortable with that one. Probably my least confident. But again, took the L there. No hiding it. Colorado minus three. We won that one. Thanks to Jeff Sims, quarterback at Nebraska. We won that one. I felt confident that when Nebraska is just not a very good football team right now. UConn plus three and a half. That was the great white Buffalo guarantee of the week. I got that bet through secondhand channel. Not going to blame anybody, but they didn't get it done. Georgia State beat them. Beat them pretty handily. I'll take that one. Uh, UTSA plus 11. 
they rub double digits a lot. They played Texas State. I thought Texas State coming off the win against Baylor would have a letdown. Uh, UTSA won the game, but it was not by 11. It was just under that, I believe it was by 9 or 10. But, again, a loss is a loss. And like I mentioned, where I was right, where I was wrong, Auburn Cal. I took the over 54 and a half. I thought it would easily hit that. But I didn't see seven turnovers and a bunch of missed field goals. Couldn't predict it. I was wrong. And then finally, the last one, Ole Miss, Tulane, over 62 and a half. I was close to taking Ole Miss, minus six and a half. I talked into the over late, talked myself into that. Should have went with that. But I was wrong. I was wrong to a one in six week. Not good. Not good at all. Not, not good at all. Um, we were five and six heading into the week. Um so what are we six and twelve right now? Six and twelve. Not good. Not good. Six and twelve. Uh, we got we got to get right there. We got to get right. So plenty of time. We got eleven weeks. More films. I keep breaking it through. I feel good here. Starting this week, we're gonna get right back on the track. It's all about how you respond when you're down, and that's what we're gonna do here at Mock Ten Sports. Don't don't go start moving your college kids' fun somewhere else. Stick it with us here. Give us a chance. We're gonna be all right here. Just getting our feet wet. We're only through week two. Week two. Week two. For the season, though, we got to get better. Got to get better. But we covered a lot here. Covered a lot on this episode of Mock Ten Sports. I mean, we had Trey Wallace from Outkick come over. We talked a lot. I think we talked to every SEC team. Great conversations. What's going to be happening in September? How he thinks Tennessee matches up with Florida this week? We talked a lot about that. We had to whip around the SEC. A couple injury updates. Um, recapped all the week two matchups. Why the SEC is struggling right now? I mentioned. I think it was lack of just a real, just overall elite quarterback play. Offensive line cohesion, not getting a lot of reps together. Practices not being the same they used to. Uh, not a lot of full. Besides the scrimmages, guys just don't get after it in the line of scrimmage anymore. It's all about getting them to game day. And then secondary plays just really poor. So that's I think that's why the SEC struggling right now. Zero and four against the ACC. Um, and then the other the other stat with it, three and six versus Power Five. Uh, also gave you my week three mock ten SEC power rankings one through fourteen there. Also did our segment, we're doing where Dave was right, where I was wrong. I gave you uh, three things where I was right, three things where I was wrong. And then finally, we went over, we just did it, uh, reviewing the money-making uh, money making Thursday uh, weekend review bets. It wasn't good this week, but we will promise you we will get better next week. But again, next episode will be Thursday per usual, maybe a little later. Uh, again, I have a kid on the way. Uh we got a baby boy coming on the way in November, so me and my wife got to go to a uh, to one of the classes at the hospital that night. But we will we'll be live, just maybe an hour or two later. But I'll keep you updated. But again, thank you for joining us. Hit that like and subscribe button, uh, please, uh, on any platforms you follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, uh, on all our podcast avenues. Just like and subscribe. It's free. It's easy to do. But again, I appreciate you joining us on this episode of Mock Ten Sports. You have a great week. Keep following us on Mach 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.